Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good evening. We are back. I'm back here at the helm of the National League podcast. Another week has gone, another weekend of games, and I'm here with a great team beside us. You'll know both the guys that I've got here with me today. Beside me, I have got Aaron. How are you, mate? Hello, mate. It's great to be back recording again, but I think the less said about our team's collective weekend, the better, right? <sighs> Honest to God, I do not need reminding of how the weekend went. I had a four-hour journey down to Hartlepool. The 4-1 defeat, like what you've seen as well. And then a four-hour journey back up here. I'm back home to Scotland. It was it was, it was was a tough one to take. It was a long journey home. And I pretty much went off the radar all day yesterday because I was still so annoyed at the, at the result. But hey-ho. We've got someone else who is a little bit disappointed by his result, his team's result at the weekend, but had a good weekend by by all accounts. Back with us again is Luke. How you doing, mate? Oh, his mic's gone again. <laughs> this, oh, no. just, just, just for context for anyone who is listening here, this is take two that we've done this and, and Luke's mic decided Hello? to go on the blank. Oh, we have a look. I'm gonna have, have to get the mic. To... The sound seems sound doesn't seem to be working, but yeah, um, sorry about that. But yeah, I've had um, a good weekend overall. Yeah, a good uh, weekend away in, in Aldershot. It was kind of a last minute thing, as even going there and then staying over. Um, a good time with a lot of Aldershot fans. Maybe you would say it was spoilt by the result, but to be fair, we just we just forgot about it as soon as as soon as that goal went in. We knew what had happened. I had a bad feeling that something like that were going to happen later on, and unfortunately, you know, we lost in the last minute in a very big game. But you know, we've just got to live and learn, and probably move on now and put that at the back of our mind, uh, like me and me dad did on on Saturday night. And hopefully, we can bounce back now and and get get a bit of momentum again and get a few wins on the spin. I seen all your tweets of you saying that you were going down like the last minute. You're like, I said, we'll get a dinner over an Airbnb or a hotel or somewhere I can park the van. Do, do you have a van that you go about in as well that you sleep over in? Or, well, my dad has um, a T5, 
um, that because my mum and dad like camping and stuff, and I was trying to find ways to persuade him to go down. So I, I was trying to think of ways. How, how do we go down here? Because um, of course we just conceding the last minute prior to that to Fylde. So um, I think I'm well, he does like his van. We could stay over down there. So I suggested I'm looking at campsites, and then I'm going to come back and. Put load, have a piece of paper with loads of campsites um, to him and suggest loads of suggest loads of places to stay in all the shop. Um, anyway, I think he just had enough of me and thought, no, nah, I'm not driving all that way in camper van, so we'll just um, go down in car. Got halfway down, he says, start looking at travel lodges and um, Premier Inns. We found one, so yeah, good good weekend. I tell you something though, if any TV production companies are listening to that, you should pitch that idea for a TV show because I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> Me and my no, me and my dad travel non-league. You've got to follow the shaman everywhere. We love that. I think it does help though because we've been banging on the drum um, since we started this podcast about how the national league is crazy and anybody can beat anyone and like we, we we've been banging on about it and banging on about it and this week it feels like our point has been proven because there's just been goals galore everywhere, hasn't the Grant? Honestly. Goals, 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 goals and goals. And do you know what? I think you saying anyone can beat anyone gives us the perfect time to look at, I think, one of the weirdest results of this week. I say, I say weirdest. We're talking the team that's in the playoffs here. I um, I did not see Altrincham turning Solihull over 6-1. Did any of you see that at all? No, I've got, I've got to admit, I had this down as one all. I thought, you know, two teams in the playoffs. I thought it's going to be quite cat and mouse. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, maybe not six one never approached my mind. But Altrincham, and we've we've bigged them up a couple of times on this podcast. They've got the players. They've got the quality to do that to a team. You know what I mean? So it's it's. I don't think it's surprising that it's happened for Altrincham. It's more surprising to me that it's happened against the opposition that it's happened against, if that makes sense. I think just what I, I get from it is that I actually agree with you. I said a one-all draw for that game as well because both sides were out of form at the time. Kind of out of form. Both, side, both sides had had back-to-back defeats um, in their respectable games against, you know, games you wouldn't have expected them maybe to lose. Uh, maybe because they are overperforming is why... You know, we didn't expect them to lose. Um, but I thought both sides won't want, won't, can't afford to lose this. So it'll probably end up being a, a low-scoring draw and not be one of the most entertaining games considering mm. both sides are in the playoffs. But to see that, you know, I, I was shocked. And, um, you know, we talk about sides that could potentially fall off this season. I know a lot of people now are saying Solial Moors will, will be a side that are going to fall out of the playoffs. Um, and to be fair, if, you, if you're playing like that every week and you think of the results of late, um, they, they're not a side that are good enough for the playoffs. It's only because of that first 10, 10 15 games, 10 games or so, is the reason that they're still there. But it's so odd because that's the, in the last week now, they've conceded 10, lost the last three, which is within that week. And it's the second really heavy defeat they've had this season, isn't it? So they've lost 6 1 against Alty just there at the weekend, and then they lost 5 0 against South End earlier on in the season. It's a strange one. I'm, I listened to the interview with Wing after the game, and it felt early doors that they should have been 2 0 up. Um, and then he says they just fell apart defensively, they were just horrific, gifted Alty three goals. And then 
everything just went. They had a lot of injury problems coming into the game. They're saying they're probably running on absolute bare bones at the moment with five, six first-team players out. He said, but still, no excuses. The, the players that are in there still should be able to defend and not make individual think, errors the way that they've done. Though, I think for me, if you look at some of these results, it's a, it's a confidence thing, but it's not, it's not just... It's not just for somebody like Solihull Moors. It seems to be the case in the league at the minute where you lose one quite badly, then you'll go on a run of losing, you know, a couple. I mean, look at uh, look at just moving on quickly, but look at look at Barnet for instance. You know, they were they were flying. They were the, they were the only sort of team that people thought were going to sort of maybe not catch Chesterfield, but certainly keep pace with Chesterfield or try and keep as much pace with Chesterfield as you can do. But they've They've lost again this weekend, and and that makes it four on the spin for them as well. So, I just think once once these playoff teams lose one, sometimes I think the pressure and the sort of scrutiny of the playoff chase and and the playoff race can get in the minds of these players, and it can it can affect them from there. And I think that's what we're seeing now. I think what I get from things like that, I think is sides find them out after they've had that defeat. We analyse where you can get at them. For example, Barnet, as we've seen, they have a very high line, so you can catch them on the break very easily. So if you defend well, like like Oldham did, um, and you've got a good strike and you and you know you, you take your chances, then you're likely to get at them because Barnet the sort of side that you always guarantee chances no matter where you are in the league. They're the sort of side mm. that they'll create a number of chances but you'll also get a few chances yourself Solly all a very defensive minded side that rely quite a lot on Kelly for goals um, with Sabara being out as well and, and that seems to be a play that they could do with at the moment so sides are basically just marking Kelly and then you know giving Solly all the ball and then Solly will have the ball and then you just catch them out on the break and, and Solly will can't compete with that either and for me I think sides are just finding these playoff contenders out once they've had that defeat because momentum, you know, is low. Um, like I said, the only side that I think are just... The, the only side that I would say where... The, I know the saying is anyone can beat anyone in this league. I agree with that. But the one side that I think I disagree with that point on is Chesterfield. <laughs> I don't think many sides in this league are capable of beating Chesterfield. And, you know, we've seen that in recent weeks. I know they lost to South End, but they're one of the only sides I could think of them beating, you know, Chesterfield, Ultram, the same... I wouldn't be surprised if Chesterfield went uh, at home unbeaten all season at home this season. They're just miles ahead of this division, to be honest. Um, but I think everyone else in the league, anybody could beat anybody. If that's Kidderminster against Barnet, you know, if that's, well, Wheelstone with the worst away record in the division against someone like Solihull with the best home, who had previously had a very good home record. Literally anyone can beat anybody in this league. Um yeah, that, that's what I would say. Apart from Chesterfield, I just think they're too good. I think we've said week on week that they're going to have the league. We think the league they're going to have the league tied up by what February, March. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, an absolute can I don't even think they're getting out of fourth gear yet. Yeah. I don't think they're. It, I don't think they found fifth gear. When I've seen them um, at Halifax, it felt like they played quite poor and they didn't really show us what they were. But as soon as, you know, we got back in the game 2-all, it felt like we were going to go on to win it. And then, in, and then obviously, in the last few minutes, they just turned up uh, the gears a little bit. Well, they went up the gears, not turned up the gears, they went up a gear. And then you just thought, wow. And 
you know, they find ways to win easily the same. Probably had a very good first half. Second half went down, but still managed to hold out and, and come away with all three points. Then I, I think it comes down to, I mean, we've said it week upon week, like you just said, but it comes down to Champions-elect teams have the quality that to be able to, you know, get results even when they're not playing well. Because on the on the face of it, um, the on the face of it this weekend, um, their result obviously three two. It it probably looked a bit tighter than it was, but I think was it? I think was it the third goal? I think just some stress filled up at the minute. Ollie Bank was Ollie Banks's goal the third one, I believe. Um. Where they were sort of they were defending their own box and and they got from their own box to the opposition box within like five it was like six. three touches, wasn't it? It was yeah, phenomenal. It's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, as, as an Oldham fan, I, and I said this in one of our, our work chats um, earlier today. As an Oldham fan, I don't have the fondest memories of Ollie Banks to be honest. But as a football player, I think he's really beginning to show his quality. And like, look, that's probably one of the best goals to. Uh, to win a game, I've, you probably see just from the transition from defense to attack, really, and it just shows, yeah. like I said, with the quality, they can they can be on the edge of the box one minute and then be at the back of your net the next. You know, I think the Chesterfield the, that Chesterfield game for me, I would if I was last week pointing out of what I thought would have been a game of the week, I probably would have said Chesterfield easily. I thought that would have been a high scoring game coming in, and yeah, I I, I can't say I was wrong with what I thought the result would have been in that game. I wouldn't have guessed anything too far off it being 3-2. I, what other games should we look at from this weekend? Do you know what? What about the bottom of the table clash? Do you feel this is points dropped for either of Oxford City or Kidderminster, both with it finishing to each? Both of them fighting down the bottom area. I think that either of these will see this as a missed opportunity of picking up valuable points and who will I think any benefit side, the least. I think any side near the bottom, um, you know, when, you, when you're playing it against another side that are clearly down there, you always go into it thinking, look, we've got to get three points here. Probably especially from Kidderminster with, you know, their current position in the league, you probably go into that thinking, look, we need to get three points because we, you know, it's starting to create a bit of a gap there now. And if we don't start picking up results, then, you know, there's going to be a, a huge gap and we're going to have a huge mountain to climb in the second half of the season. Um, you know, you go into that and think, look, if we can't beat Oxford or then who, who can we beat in this division? You may have that feeling about, to be fair. Um, Oxford themselves probably would, if you, if you think of it from Oxford's perspective, although they were the home team and they were probably the favourites going into this match, Maybe maybe Oxford were thinking, look, we'll take a point for this game because look, we're still out. I believe still outside the relegation zone at the moment. Maybe they've dropped back in now at twenty first, but we'll take a point in this game to be fair um, and keep that gap maintained between us and us and Kidderminster. But two two, I didn't I didn't expect that. I thought um, I thought Oxford were going to win comfortably. To be honest, I didn't expect Kidderminster to, to score two goals. That that might be the first time that they've. They've managed to get more than one goal in a match this season, if, if I'm not mistaken. I, I will have a look through and see. I mean, they yeah, did. They, they, frustrate, they frustrated yeah. Hartlepool midweek as well, Kidderminster, and they managed to tie it, get another one old draw. Or they managed to get a one old draw midweek against Hartlepool, much to much to my frustrations. But that could be a, again, it could be a big point for them. But 
Yeah. It's hard to see them climbing out of the playoff positions. But yeah, I think Oxford, I would agree. I think they will see it probably as points dropped in their survival bid, I would say, when they have picked up important points elsewhere. They've they've scored a lot of goals in some games. So yeah, I, I think they will see I think points dropped. The only thing you could say is it's still, you know, from from Kidderminster in 24th to Woking in 20th. It's six points in it, you know what I mean? And that probably sounds a lot bigger than it is because if you look at Woking's form, for instance, they've lost the last five, you know what I mean? So so if if Kidderminster can continue to hang in there and pick up pick off points and, uh, and maybe maybe change some of them draws into wins and Woking can uh, continue this terrible form, then who knows? I think... I think, yeah, but I think it's still quite tight, to be honest. There's, there's nobody that I'm looking and thinking, yeah, they're definitely down at the minute. You know what I mean? Do you know, we're the kings of segues here because you've run that perfectly into the next game that I had up and I was ready to look at. I don't know how we do this. We run it. You, you run it so well because I was going to go on to Boreham Wood and Woking and you've just done that perfectly. Boreham Wood have broken this spell of not winning games. We've been talking about Boreham Wood. Everyone's been talking about the pressure that Luke Garrard's under and they come out and they get a 4-2 victory against Woking. How much of a lift is that going to be to the Boreham Wood squad? I mean, I, so I posed probably the, the, the devil's advocate question on this podcast a couple of weeks ago about, you know, will the hierarchy and the fans get uh, ever sort of start to turn on... Uh, Gerard, but look, he we because we were talking, weren't we, about how they've had the same squad for maybe two plus three years, and and they need sort of an injection. But like like, it's proven this week. He knows them players, and he knows how to get the best out of them. And and you can't help but think, and I definitely think this will this will give them the sort of rocket and the kick up the ass that they need a little bit to drag themselves away from that. From that dog fight, so yeah. I, I don't probably when I look at Bournemouth, is yeah, it's it's a good win. It's you know it's against another side that's struggling. You know, if people are working, we'd be talking about working right now and saying how they it's about time that they gain a bit of momentum with with Sal leaving. You might be saying they're they're on the up now, um, but of course we're in the situation where it's Bournemouth who, who we're talking about in a positive light. For me, considering the opposition, and I know you can only beat with what's in front of you. I wouldn't be getting ahead of myself. Yes, it's a good result, but really, do I do I read too much into that? No, I think when they start winning two, three games on the spin, that's when I start to think, yeah, credit to Bournemouth. This group of players, you know, they're reliable and they're going to do well with Bournemouth. They're going to keep doing well like they have been doing for the past couple of years. I do, I do get what you're saying completely, but I think for me, I think like Grant was saying, the pressure was so you know so sort of intense on that on that Boreham Wood squad that like it could literally just be the catalyst or you know but but also you're right because it could literally next week they could go and lose again so you don't know do you but I think I think that Boreham Wood squad has enough about it and a, a quality manager to keep them well away from that fight now if you're you'll be hoping you'll be hoping they lose next week will you not I mean I, I I will be hoping they will lose next week for sure but our record against teams in, in and around the relegation spaces, as proven by Saturday, is absolutely fucking atrocious. So, so I mean, um, I'm, not, 
I'm not comfortable at all, really. But for me, games. No, that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this and I'll, I'll jump back to you. Borum Woods run a games. They've got Oldham away, and then I'm skipping the FA Trophy. Then they've got Oxford City at home. Then Barnet away. Then Kidderminster at home, and then Kidderminster away. So that's their uh, Christmas and New Year games. They've got a good opportunity get a decent haul of points out of those games. You'd expect them surely to beat Oxford and do the double on Kidderminster. Don't worry. If, if Saturday's got anything to go by, we'll just roll over and let them take three points off us as well. Um, I think just, just what I'd say on ball and wood is, um, and I know you mentioned they're the catalyst and it might be what inspires them to, to get on a bit of a run now, but just to use an example here, um, Oldmore side for me, I've always thought when they when they finally get a win or especially that win against Barnet, I thought, right, now's a bit of time for them to get a bit of momentum and go on a bit of a winning streak and show why they can compete for the playoffs. Yet they haven't. So for me, why does that mean that Bournemouth will after this? And you think of the opposition, they've got Oldham away next. Um, Oldham will be, will be wanting to to get back to winning ways. Um, and Bournemouth will be wanting to keep this momentum and get on a run, like like you've mentioned, Aaron. Um When people mention Bournemouth as a side that are down there, they're not a side that, for me, that I consider a, a particularly relegation candidate. I don't think I'd have them in that bracket of teams that could potentially go down. Of course, they are down there, but for me, nah. I don't think they'll have a brilliant season. I'm still don't, not very impressed with the squad. Um, but I think I can't see them being involved. I'd be, in I'd be really sad to see them go down. I've got I've got a slight soft spot for Borumwood. I know a lot of people don't You're have a soft. <laughs> no, I think I, I I do think I'm one of the only ones as a soft spot. But it's I've got a reason for this. Did any of you ever play the mobile app game New Star Soccer? Yes, the one that you just, like flick and then you like you control the guy and, and it, you do the training. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, do the yeah. training. So first time I ever played that. I ended up at Borumwood and I was like, right, let's go, let's do this. And I got them, I got them into the champ. I won the Champions League with Borumwoods like three seasons in a row. I was World Player of the Year. And I won the World Cup with Scotland. I was like, yes, this is good. And I just through that game, I grew up, I took a soft spot for them. Then last season on a football manager, I was like, right, I'm gonna start the season unemployed. And then Borumwood came up and I went, I've I've got to do it. I've just got to do it. And then, so I took took the interview at Borenwood, got the job, and then I took them up to the championship and and football. I'm not the best football manager player in the world. So I just took them up to the championship, but with the budget they had, it was it was a fair achievement that I done. It took a couple of seasons to do it, but yeah, it's just a slight soft spot for Borenwood for that reason. I mean, I'm a, I don't I don't like to uh, to piss on your conflicts, Grant, but. Uh... Uh, success in a video game doesn't relate to success in a real life, does it, mate? Unfortunately, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's why I'm a, a host a podcast and I'm not a football manager. <laughs> right, so, we've, men- we've mentioned we've mentioned Oldham here, so I think this is a good time to talk about. Oh, here we go. This here last go. this last few days for Oldham, you if- mentioned look that they looked just outstanding on Wednesday against Barnet. We've all we've all watched the game, I'm sure. And then they go to this weekend to get the exact opposite result. Exactly as well. I mean, like, I just don't get it against against Ebbsfleet, who are 
down the bottom end of the table. So you've had a 4-1 win against a top team and then a 4-1 loss to a bottom end team. It is the most Jekyll and Hyde week I've seen for a team in a while. Aaron, talk to us about about this. I'm so glad that this has happened in a way because this is what we I've been having to watch week in, week out with Latics for 15 years. And now the wider sort of the wider sort of medium media are getting to see how wonderfully inconsistent we are. Do you know like I can't go go from go like you say, going to second place Barnet Wednesday and putting on probably and I, you might call me biased, but I think you said it in a tweet, didn't you, on Wednesday? I think that'll be up there with like the one of the one-off individual like individual performances from a team all season, what we did to Barnet on, on Wednesday. But then phenomenal. To, to, to to go to go at home against a team that we should be not not just beating in my opinion if we've got playoff aspirations we've got to be trying to bury these teams but like I think for me it's and look I'm not going to make any excuses for the players in the sense of Ebsley were wonderful they they surprised me because they were a lot more sort of. Um, like a lot more brave on the ball and a lot better passes of the ball than maybe the league position suggests. There were certain times in that game where we were chasing shadows and like, look, um, Josh Wright uh, was running the show from the midfield and and before I thought he was more famous for being a reality TV star than a footballer. So that, that tells, you know what I mean? That tells you everything you, you need to know, doesn't it really? Um, but look, we were just awful, but that's not to take anything away from Ebsfleet. It, I left. I'll never ever advocate leaving games early. But me and my dad left at three one. So we got we got in the car. I looked at my phone and, and I seen it four one. And Christ alive, let me tell you, I'm glad I'm not in that stadium when that fourth goes in because if I didn't want to throw myself down the steps of the disabled entrance beforehand, I definitely would have done when that fourth went in because. So the players would, it, would that it, just be to stop the game? Probably, yeah. Just just abandon it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Um, the the player, I think it was uh, their attacking midfielder maybe, gets the ball in our half, goes past five of our men who just take the weakest, most pathetic attempts at taking a man down. And he just waltzes through five of our players to put it in the opposite corner for the keeper. And I just think, look, it, it's an awful performance, but like I said to you, to, to give us sort of a little bit of context and a little bit of, devil's advocate a bit I think with football you can be very easy to be very reactional you know and you're like oh Oldham are the shittiest team ever like fucking Mellon doesn't know what he's doing you know what I mean all this all this stuff you can see it does does because Wednesday's performance was just complete well this is it so when when you take a, a deep dive obviously that result on Saturday was unacceptable in my eyes but before that we were eight unbeaten in our competitions you know what I mean so it it has been a good runner, and we are sort. Of, we were, well, we were sort of beginning to pick up momentum, and I don't necessarily think the the season's over as such for us. But if we put in anywhere near that type of performance against anyone, it'll be over before we know it. But I just think, I just think, absolutely came. They expressed themselves. They were brave, and they got they got what they deserved. Yeah, they they, they really showed us up. But it just shows, like I said. No two game weeks and no two sort of Oldham Oldham and consistency don't go together and that that shows you know like I will 
just quickly to finish up on this, I was going to bring a a weekly segment to this podcast after him turning into Prime uh, Prime Ronaldo on Wednesday night. So this is what we're calling Mike Thondup Watch. So I'll start on Wednesday night, actually, considering we've not had a podcast since then. Genuinely, genuinely, I think that probably was one of the best target men type performances I've ever seen from a, uh, an Oldham striker in my life. He was unplayable, absolutely unplayable. I couldn't believe what I was he watching. Was and did you, did you see the game, Luke? Yeah, I watched it. I couldn't believe it because when he was at Halifax, well, he's like I said, very hot and cold, and he he was like that. Halifax one weekend he's capable of scoring a hat trick and thinking, wow, Fonda, what a player. Next week he's he's a, he's a donkey. He needs to be honest. He might just do that. That's it. That's it. And but look, I think sometimes, I mean. Not to take anything away from his performance on Wednesday, but it does definitely help when you've got a player of the calibre of James Norwood next to you. And I think, obviously, his two goals and an assist on Wednesday showed that. But then you fast-forward to... to um, I think it's Fondop will have felt aggrieved to not get the man of the match on Wednesday yes. because he was on another level. Do, do, yeah. you, think, do you think he plays to the cameras? Hmm... No, you know, you know what it is, and this is gonna make this is gonna be awful. And I will continue to love and support Mikey. So if he's listening to this, I apologize, but this is just my opinion. Sometimes I think when when Mikey doesn't have the time to think about what he's gonna do with the football and just kind of goes off cuff and and simplifies it a little bit, he's dangerously good. When he has too much time on a ball, he looks he looks semi professional. Like that's that's a player we've got at our ranks at the minute. And on Saturday, he made me look like a good footballer. That's how bad he was, if we're being honest. Um one. So they st- one of the Stockport County coaches. I'm trying I'm just gonna get his name up. I'm I'm currently flicking through I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. He used to be a the coach at Hartlepool, it's Hartlepool's head coach, or not head coach, it was one of the top first team coaches at Hartlepool. And he put up, someone asked him on Twitter, going, What was Fondop like? And he was like, He says, Yeah, you see, when he'd done that run, everyone seen like his prancing gazelle run that he'd done all over uh, Twitter and TikTok. He said, He used to do that in training. And he's like, Mike, what are you running like that for? And he's like, Ah, just, just to switch it up, boss, just to switch it up a little bit. But he actually got faster when he done that run. <laughs> so I, I he did a an Instagram story and basically he said he's seen that run from the Usain Bolt documentary about how it give it gives you an advantage over like five ten yards or whatever it would be from your defenders. So like in that sort of situation, it works. But on my life, I've never seen a more inconsistent striker play for a more inconsistent team in my life, to be honest. And we need to we need to um, pick it up and pick it up fast. And I would much rather. This is how nervous I am. I would much rather play a top seven side at home on Saturday because I actually think we show up more against top seven, top ten sides than we do against but you know bottom half sides. I am I am worried. I am really worried that Boreham Wood are going to show us up again, and that will be season over. I, I think what what I thinking just just on fond up i think you know he is the definition of oldham one minute you're fantastic you're brilliant next week you're awful to be honest you know you've lost to a side that hadn't, hadn't won since i think september it might mm-hmm. have even be and that was early september as well well i believe i think it was actually against barnwood 
last time Ebsley actually won a match. I'm sure Grant will, will correct me shortly when he when he looks online. But just just what I take on Oldham, and when I was previewing the game on my podcast on Thursday, and, and I was thinking of Oldham, I backed you to win because I thought, how can Oh, I so that's why we didn't win then. Thanks, Luke. Nice yeah. one. No, I'm usually pretty well. I'm pretty good with my Oldham predictions. Uh, of course, Halifax. Uh, I predicted Halifax to beat you, but no, just just what I take. You know, I thought, look, no, there's nothing really in Ebbsfleet's favour. Oldham, you can't really back against them. They've just beaten Barnet away from home. The the second side to do that this season, four goals away as well. No side has scored that many goals away from home at Barnet this season yet. So you, I were quite confident. Well, I would say confident, but I had this feeling in the back of my mind is, like you mentioned, Oldham do better against the, the better side in the division, which is basically the top seven, maybe top ten. And that's because those sides come to Boundary Park and actually try to play football. Um, where sides like Epsley, and I, I do believe they played football, but they're also a side that's struggling down there and the expectations on Oldham to win the game, where Oldham probably prefer it being the underdog, like we saw at Barnet, you know, they could be have that proper defensive performance where it's more about the defence and then just, you know, essentially hoofing it up to someone like Nord and Fondot, bypassing the midfield, which is a weak point of Oldham, I still believe yeah. now, bypassing the midfield. And then you've got Norwood and Fondop who hold the ball up and they are quite clinical on his day, Fondop is. Um, and that's what we saw at Barnet, where at home, you know, you're expected to keep a lot of the ball, keep possession, their expectations on there. And, and I don't think that works in, in Oldham's favour. And that's why they'll probably struggle against Bournemouth as well. Where mm-hmm. if they play Chesterfield, they'll do well. If they play Halifax, they'll do well. If they play Ultranham, they'll probably do well because they're football inside, maybe not Halifax. But you, you get the what thing, I'm saying. The thing is for me, and I hope I'm not sat here next um Monday night with you lovely gentlemen saying this again, but the only, the only thing that I will I will say is I'm and I think the majority of our fan base are prepared to put this down as a very very bad day at the office. Uh, like these results can happen, they shouldn't happen, but they can happen. You know we've we've seen it happen, but it can't sort of creep into our game now. Where I think the problem on Saturday, I think everyone and I did it a little bit myself. I was going there thinking, yeah, we're going to win maybe three nil, four nil. You know what I mean? It's absolutely. I got that went through my head, and I think some of the players think, oh, the these are the, these are in the bottom four. They're struggling. It's kind of like a a walkover, and I think we need to sort of get that mentality out of our heads that like we're we're not bigger than any of these teams in this division, and like. I'm not saying the players purposely did that, but I think there is there was a sort of air of um, complacency in our in yeah, our performance yeah, on Saturday, and, and that that really affected us, you know. Well, we've mentioned the playoffs. What we're going to do before we start talking about a few playoff teams and games that have happened for teams in the playoffs, we're going to go for a little advert break. So, I'm going to introduce in our lovely, lovely sponsors. We'll be back very shortly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back in the room. Hello. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you've still stayed in through. I don't know how to reintroduce ourselves after the sponsors or adverts or whoever it is that comes in. Cheers, you guys. We appreciate it, every single one of you. Right, we've mentioned teams in and around the playoffs, so we'll still keep talking about games that have been going on involving these teams, but uh, look, you were wanting to have a chat about teams that are there or think teams that you think might drop off, teams that might come in. What's your thoughts on the playoff positions at the moment? I think it's the most open part of the division at the moment. Um, there's no playoff team, I think, inside the top seven that have solidified a spot where I think, yeah, they're definitely going to get the playoffs come the end of the season. Of course, there's sides that I think will, but there's not a side that I think, you know, are definitely going to, going to make it, if that makes sense. Everyone else can have different opinions. Where last season, we knew Chesterfield were going to finish in the playoffs by this point. We knew Working were going to finish in the playoffs by this point. And we knew either Wrexham or Notts County would. Of course, this season, Chesterfield are likely to win the league, but from second probably all the way down to 11th, maybe, maybe even further down. You could all have a take about those finishing inside the playoffs. You look at second place at the moment, it's Bromley. They're a side that probably you might go against. That might be the one side that you'd say should finish inside the playoffs. But we've seen what's happened to Barnet. You know, four defeats on the spin now for Barnet. And people are suggesting that they could fall outside of the playoffs. It's only That's only happened in, in a spell of, of two weeks or so. Um, the downfall of, of them at the moment. Um, for me, you look at sides like Rochdale, you look at sides like Oldham, who are probably going to be latecomers into inside the playoffs and are probably, for me, likely to finish inside the playoffs. Um, I still think Oldham will, will uh, when they when they start bringing in a few more players. Rochdale, I think, look a very good side. I'd have to say for Halifax, I just don't think we're good enough going forward unless we sign a striker. I can't see us finishing inside the playoffs. Um, you have to look at sides like Ultronum. Are they a side that you think are going to be able to keep this up for the entire season? Yes, they're playing well at the moment, but if they have an injury to one or two players, I know they have already, but if they have any more injuries to the likes of um, Con Clark, who's you know been their best player so far this season, how will they react to that? Where your bigger side like Oldham and Rochdale are likely to have reinforcements um, where I don't think Ultronham would. Same with Gateshead, if they have a few injuries, will they be able to keep it up? Solial, uh, another big side as well. That I personally am not very confident about them uh, staying inside the playoffs for for the for for well for much longer. To be honest, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. It's a tough one because a, a lot of it does come down to, and I agree with you, is depth and budget when it comes into that kind of really important part of the season. And I know the National League has no transfer window at all to an extent, but we, you'll see a lot more business being done in January because this is where the other team, the EFL teams will be able to backfill players from. Mm-hmm. You're going to see your Oldhams buying more players, I think, to try and put together a playoff push. You're going to see 
Rochdale will we'll come on to Rochdale a little bit later on. We've got a, we've got a section where we do want to talk about them. I think we'll see them get a couple of players coming in. I think we'll see a couple of additions in Halifax, and we might see a couple of additions in Hartlepool to try and push a, a late run to try and get I mean, those last couple of positions in the playoffs. So there is teams sitting outside. I, I agree with you. I think you're probably looking down to 11th, 12th at the moment that you can get in. But I think teams like your Bromleys, I think they will stay in. Having watched them at the weekend, I think they're just a good, solid team. But if See, the injuries me, happen, it can change everything and you can go on a run like Barnet are on, like Solly Hull are on, and it can easily drop you down the pecking order. For me, I think it's a little bit more open than that. And I know 10, 10 points seems like pretty inconceivable at the minute, but I don't think you can write South End off either yet because we know, we, know, we know they've got players coming in, you know what I mean? I've, I've seen reports mm. of, of them lining up players and, and good sort of players from the division below to come in and help them out. And I think just just the sort of story behind that, I feel like the, the sort of off-the-field stuff will will galvanise them probably more than it would galvanise like a an Oldham or, you know, like a Barnet or an Altrincham because we don't have that sort of uh, destability or off the pitch now. And I think sometimes I think that can sort of play a factor because they have to be a tighter group. They have to be a tight unit. And you know, every time you're going onto the pitch, you go in to fight for each other. And I think that can, of course, the the, the overriding emotion of that is, is negative, but it can prevent provide like miracles and, and things that shouldn't happen and I think in, in South End's case I could really see that happening and just as much as it pains me to say it as well I think if I'm if I'm taking my wooden head off now and putting my professional head on I think Rochdale are playing some really really good stuff really good stuff and I, I think I think they'll be up in, uh, and around the playoffs for sure and maybe now is a good time to bring it in Grant because I was just talking about like you know um off the field situations making groups stronger. Um, today we've had some some uh, breaking news, if you would, out of Rochdale about a potential, uh, well, not potential, about the the football club only paying twenty five percent of the playing staffs and um, management staffs' wages for November, and obviously that then turns into a talk of a um, potential incoming takeover. Um, so obviously the off the field, the off the field um, situation there is kind of being paired with a very very strong on the field situation. So that dynamic is really interesting to me. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. So what I've heard about this about the Rochdale situation of staff and playing or playing staff and non-playing staff only being paid twenty five percent of the wages apparently is is true. I'm. I can't say that for 100%, hence the, mm-hmm. the apparently. But this has been due to the takeover that's that's coming in at Rochdale. They've had a change of date of payment for the month of November. They've agreed to pay 25% at the moment from the current ownership. And the remainder is meant to be paid on the 30th of the month. So it is meant to, still meant to get paid this month. So as far as I'm aware, the full wage will be paid to everyone in the month of November and a takeover is, is imminent. 
I, I've had reports into myself that there was a couple of supercars or cars of expensive, the expensive yeah. kind sat at Rochdale all day today, and there is people in there talking takeover at Rochdale. Now, from a point from the the Rochdale Supporters Trust, they've they up they put a statement out on the twenty third, covering several points. So this probably won't be the most most up to date thing. But what they've mentioned on update on ownership and attracting an advent an investor, they said that the club are quietly optimistic with the latest group of investors. But unfortunately, in respecting the NDA in existence, are unable to provide any names or timescales at this point. Exclusivity has not been granted, but lawyers are currently involved. It was reiterated the club would, re- would remain in consult with the trust before anything is announced publicly, and the trust board director is made aware of all investor discussions. So there is, there is, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel for Rochdale for this whole situation that's ongoing. There's, there's talk potentially of ex players being involved with it. I, I I don't know the extent of who, what, or when, or when apparently I'm here in the next 48 hours, a takeover should be happening, but we've seen this before with Rochdale. Yeah, well, this is what I was going to say, and I know Rochdale fans will probably see the Oldham fan, you know, trying to just spare the pot a little bit, but genuinely, that's why I live in Rochdale, I, I sort of play devil's advocate a little bit, I'm an Oldham fan that lives in Rochdale, I know, crucify me, I know. Um, but like you say, we've seen this maybe two, three times in the last sort of six to eight months we've watched there where the board have come out and pleaded for further investment, you know? And they get to the point where it's like, oh shit, Rochdale are in trouble now. And then nothing ever gets like nothing ever gets to the media. So they've asked publicly as well. It's been yeah, on the so Twitter page, but they've asked for fan investment. Yeah, so forgive me for being skeptical, but until there's an owner there with the Rochdale T-shirt, the Rochdale scarf, whatever at Scotland in the next week. I can't, I can't fully buy into that Rochdale are going to be all, um, you know, all, all saved and and everything's going to be fine because they have been here one too many times in the past. And I think I've been speaking to look, I've been speaking to some of the fan base today that are just telling me that the takeover's coming and apparently it's going to be quite a rich guy, like you say, with with quite a lot of assets by the looks of it with the supercars and whatever. But then I've spoken to other Rochdale fans, with, like I've just said, that have been like, they can't get too excited because they've been here before and it's never happened, it's never transpired. So I think I think this week will be a massive, massive week for the future of Rochdale Football Club. And, and like the local the local part of me and, and sort of the, the, the football fan aside of me really hopes... Rochdale do get a bit of a break because you know I, I I come on these podcasts and I say oh I don't like Rochdale or oh, I want Oldham to finish above Rochdale but at the end of the day like we we all should want our local teams in our local areas to do well and thrive you know what I mean and Oldham are thriving now and like I'd I'd like to see Rochdale do that as well because it's important to the community so I think yeah this this sort of next week will be very important for the future Check. of Dale and it's going to be interesting. Check you throwing rivalries aside and saying, oh, I really hope Rochdale do. I, I really, I, I'd never say I want to see Darlington do well. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't say Rochdale do well ever. In my, but, I never want to see it well. The, the thing is, the thing is for me is like, it's not a case of them wanting them to do well, but it's like I was probably one of very few Athletics fans that didn't take 
much pleasure at all when Berry went out of business. Mm. I, I think sometimes wait, business is a bit different though to sides not performing. For example, Rochdale going down into non-league, I think a lot of people were like, Halifax Oldham fans were like, yes, get in. But if it was a case of them going out of business, it kind of you'd lose a part of your club as well. For example, Oldham wouldn't have that massive down. Yeah. Uh, Halifax. But that's what that's what I'm trying to convey, Luke. I feel like Rochdale's finances are that up up in the air at the minute that you know if the takeover doesn't come, they could quite well go out of business. You you know what I mean? So if this if the further amount that's set to be paid on the thirtieth is due to this takeover, then what happens if the takeover doesn't go ahead? Mm -hmm. Do do does the staff get paid on the thirtieth as promised? Do do they not? It's it's a scary position especially at this time of the year because look, the playing staff and the non-playing staff aren't going to be on they're, they're not they don't earn fortunes in the national yeah. league at all so especially the non-playing staff at this time of the year it's not good we, i think we've seen it was it was it south end earlier on in the season where they who what was it south end where they arranged a just giving page to pay yeah they're doing it last season as well yeah, to pay the playing staff and non-playing staff every month and they end up getting and paid through the Just Giving pages. Just so we're clear, if this takeover does go through and they become mega rich now, I will never say another positive word about Rochdale on this podcast. But <laughs> I just felt like they needed to be a bit of balance there. You know, I, I could have quite easily come at that and be like, oh yeah, I'm an Oldham fan. Like, because like I said to you in the group chat, and I have, I have banned it with Rochdale fans and fair play, that's what rivalry is about. But when we were going through our stuff with those that we shall not name, um, <laughs> not wasting my breath on them, but when we were going through that that sort of stuff, Rochdale fans were giving it us large, you know? So like, but I feel like from a sort of community uh, value and maybe a, a journalistic value. You don't want to see. Well, I, I certainly don't want to see any sort of football club struggle too much off the pitch. But no, they can struggle. No. They can struggle on the pitch for all I care. Um, but yeah, they definitely didn't. They definitely didn't struggle at the weekend. I mean, they beat Dagenham two one. No, yeah. So that's this is it. This is what I was saying before. I think it's it's just it's it's really sort of. Well, if it's a positive, then it, it'll be great news. But for what we know now, and like you said, the uncertainty around it is, is sort of sad because it's kind of sort of taking, not taking the shine, but like all of the uncertainties getting coupled with a really, like really impressive job that Jim McNulty is starting to do. And, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's like they finally got the stuff sorted on the pitch. And now there's so much certainty off the pitch that like, you can never match the two up. You know what I mean. Mm. They've got they've got a tough travel this weekend, Rochdale. So I I think they're away to Bromley this weekend, which is going to be a hard game for them to go to. Oh, having yeah. watched them, I uh, how how they played this weekend against us at, at Hartlepool. Bromley had a lot of off the pitch issues before they actually came over to us. So they travelled up on the Friday night. They stayed in Durham overnight, and when they were coming over to Hartlepool from Durham, their coach broke down completely. Or I don't even know if they got out of the hotel, but their coach had broke down and they had to travel over to Hartlepool in Ubers. So they got ready at the hotel. All their kit was on at the hotel. And they, the kit, yeah, they had to put their kit on at the hotel and travelled over in their kit to, to Victoria Park. So it was absolutely, they were, it was up against them from when they, when they got there, they arrived and all their gear ready to go because they arrived late. 
and they just put on a good performance. They had Hartlepool's number from the first minute. They knew how to play against us. Andy Woodman had obviously done his homework. It wasn't me. I didn't tell him anything. Um, they pinged the ball in straight and caught us on the counter, and we just couldn't deal with the pace that they had, and, and Cheek, rightfully enough, got into the team of the week this week for the National League. Half-time, there was a little bit more controversy. So, at half-time, one of our floodlights stopped working. Now, we were 2-0 down at half-time. We had every right to say no. We're not playing on this game until if either the floodlight's fixed or if it can't get fixed, you abandon the match. What would you have done if you were a manager in that situation? What, a manager of the opposition or the Hartlepool manager? No, no. If you're if you're the Hartlepool manager, you know everything that's gone on with Bromley coming over. They've had their issues. They're two 0 up. You're two 0 down. Your floodlight's not working. Look, I'm what done. would you? What would you do, first of all, Luke? Selfish, I'm just a selfish point of view. I'd um, I'd cancel it if, if, from a selfish perspective. As a neutral, then I'd say play on. The Bromley have had their problems. They've come up and they've turned up. Um, but you know, fix your issues. You know, fix your issues and, and and play on. To be honest, but from a selfish perspective, Halifax win that position, and you know, on another day, maybe. Because on another day, maybe Hartlepool could have got a result. I'd be saying no, let, let's abandon it. Um, but to be to be fair, um, for myself, but um, honestly, I think that that's probably what I would do because every point does matter in this division, um, and I, I don't particularly care about the opposition as, as a Halifax fan when I'm when I'm against them. That is, of course, as a neutral, I think that's fair un, unfair. Um, yeah, that's my take. So the thing is, with it. So did you say it happened at half time or before half time? Half at half time, yeah. The the floodlight so, wouldn't come on. So it could be half- just as it could be like when Ebbsfleet were beating Oldham at half time, um, you know, and, and a floodlight going off. No, no, thanks for bringing up the trauma. I've I've just got it all out, Luke, and you brought the trauma right back. I appreciate. It. Um, but so there's a part of me that's thinking. Go into half time, maybe have I don't know, speak to the referee. I don't know, see if you can have I don't know an extra five minutes at half time. So both teams go inside for 20 minutes, see if you can get it fixed in the 20 minute period. But then, like Luke said, I, I'm if I'm losing 2 0, and, and I'm guessing you didn't think there was any well, there wasn't in the end, was there any any sort of way you could see how people getting back into the game at this point? No way back. We were so, we were so if I'm, we were so, if I'm a Hartlepool so fan, I, I'm telling them to. Wait three to five working days before they book in a repair. Yeah, um, so yeah, <laughs> we we were poor. We'd had one of our midfielders got injured at the half at the half time mark. He's he's went off. He's probably going to be out another long term injury. It did not Who's look that? good. Who's that? Hey, Tom Crawford. Oh, he was good against Halifax mm. as well. He 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 wasn't having the best of games, and I was saying to my dad and the folk around me, I would probably have subbed him off at half time because he just didn't fit the style of the game. I, I was saying we need to bring on a we need to bring on Josh Umera, someone that's gonna be a bit more physical, get involved with, with Bromley a little bit more. But I didn't want him to go off in the way that he did. It was a shame to see because he was rolling on the floor in pain. But then to say Josh didn't make much more of an impact. We went on to lose four one in just a, a, a poor, poor, poor performance. It's 22, 22 games now our def- our defence still hasn't been sorted out. 
So I know who, who knows what's going to happen. So that that's another one. But Bromley are now up to second. Good I know the uh, from them. our social media accounts did give you a bit in in the weekend, so I won't I won't go too much. But I was quite uh, lucky to be on the interview with you with Andy Woodman, and you said you were going to stand behind him and uh, give him a bit of uh, a, a bit of a dog's abuse for the, uh, the the weekend. How did that How did that go for you, Grant? How? I did, um, didn't, it didn't go too well. I owe my case of beer. I had a bet with him before the game. I was like, goes, look, whoever wins this, the other one sends a case of beer over, so I'm going to get a couple of... You should for that one. You should grass him up. <laughs> grass him up for betting. Nah, so I'm going to send send a couple of cans of beer down down his way. It, by the way, top, top bloke. Went and seen him before the game. Seen him at full time, but I, we, had a, we had a good chat either way. He's the exact good same man. as he came across on here. He's yeah, a good, good lad. Man. You see... Look, you've put another belter of a question in for us on this. So in Bromley coming up to Hartlepool, what is everyone's favourite away day in the league? Who wants to take it first? So I've got two. I've got two stories, and I don't know whether the. I'm going to say I don't know whether the third one, the first one, is uh, uh, podcast friendly. But we are professional and unprofessional, so I'm going to go for it. So my first I've, one, I've, I've got editing abilities just in case. Okay, okay. My first one was at the Shea Halifax away last season, and that was so it was it in uh, BT in front of BT cameras, and I think I mean Luke will be able to tell me because he always tells me about Oldham's torment, but I think they beat us two one in the end, um, yeah. and we we scored with five minutes to go. Um, no, Ben Tillett scored with five minutes to go, I think, to make it one all. And where the disabled section is, it's in with the home fans and all of like the facts club officials were stood directly behind me um, on this platform. And anyone knows me knows I'm the most passionate Oldham fan, especially when I go to away games. I like to give it a bit large, you know, back my boys, even if I'm in the home end, I don't really know when to shut up. So we, we've, we've, I thought we've nicked apart at this point, so I'm going mental. I'm going mental, and you can see all these Halifax club officials just looking like they want to kill me. So then, then we've kicked off then, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then they've scored a 95th minute winner or whatever it was, and literally, it, like, it was a bit before. I think it was like 80th minute we scored, and because uh, Oldham had scored on like the 60, 60, 70th, and then um, you equalised. And then you were on top of us, and then we just caught you out. Uh, yeah, and I just remember there was there was four or five staff members that just came and just give it me the largest you've ever seen in your life to the point where I just wanted to wheel myself out the stadium, head down, huddle. I just <laughs> wanted right. to get out there so fast. So that that in terms of football banter, that was probably up there last season for me in terms of an away game because at the end we all shook hands and I, I said, you know what, I deserve that fair play. But in terms of like an actual stadium set up and like uh, a good away day, I'd probably say York for me, um, away at York because we won. Uh, I think it was 1-0 in the end thanks to a Hallam Hope screamer. Um and there was there was more Oldham fans in the York Stadium than York fans. We actually took over uh, two stands and the stewards marched the Latic fans back out the home stand back into the away stand. So yeah, they're the two that stick out for me. I seen when you said York, Luke was just sitting there shaking his head, going, "Nah, fuck York." Go on, Luke. What's yours? 
It's a manufactured ground. You hardly get any room. Um, not the best for creating an atmosphere. It's in a, it's in a retail complex. I think that's the term for you know when there's lo- there's like a cinema, uh, a cine world complex. I think it is. It had like a cinema, basically just an in, in industrial estate, nowhere near York. Train stations over an hour's walk away. And when you get in, when you get inside, yeah. <laughs> oh my you, god! When you get inside the stand, it just feels so manufactured. Um, I'm going to come on to my favourite, and it's very recently, um, and I'm, I'm sticking with this shortly. But uh, it's just the opposite of what I think football's historically about. It's just very manufactured. It don't feel like a football stadium when you're in there. It, it just doesn't. It's just very. It's unique, I'll give you that, but it just feels like I've said very manufactured and, and very plastic that the actual stadium for a, and for a historic club like York, I just don't think it it suits them. Uh, moving from somewhere like Booz and Crescent, it, it's the complete opposite to that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of York, me personally. So what's yours? I've got a few, um, but after this weekend, I think. I like Oldham because it's a low roof and it, I think it's good for creating an atmosphere. And it is a traditional, I, I love my traditional ground. It's a traditional big ground. You get what I mean? And, you, you know, Oldham fans are well supported. So you, you can have that banter as well. Um, so I like that as a local one. Um, I love being behind the girl there as well. Um, but for me, I, I loved Aldershot, um, and I, I really did. And I know I've only recently gone there for the first time, but it was one I've always been wanting to do. And to be fair, um, after that, I certainly was. And it's proper, unique in its own right, very historic. Um, you know, home fans, at the right behind the goal. And when, when teams take quite a large following, they go to the left of the, the home fans, so you can give it back and forth. Um you know that their fans, I think, are very impressive for the for the numbers that they get as well. Um, you can actually go around the bends. You can choose to sit down first half, second half. You can stand behind the the girl if you want to, not to the point where it feels tin pot, but to where the point where you, you get that choice of what stand. Oh, you, you said a banned word, tin pot. No, I didn't. I didn't say it in that term, but in a term where you can you get a choice. Um, that was Luke, not on next week's podcast. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, word. That's a banned word. I think I, I, I said it in a way where people may have been thinking it, it was, but I personally don't <laughs> think it is. But you know, it's so wooden, it, wooden stands underneath, and it, it were mental. They were a barb, a barbie, and duck. You know, and and around the ground as well. It's a fair few amount of pubs. You know, a brilliant curry house that 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 we went to as well. Um, and you just feel it, they're very friendly as well. Their fans and for me, I I loved it. I thought you know, all the shots of the town, military town, very very good. Um, a, a good number of pubs and and in the ground, it, it's good for creating an atmosphere as well with the, with the low roof. Um, so I, I'd have to say all the shot for me. Um, yeah, I used to like Chesterfield when they put us behind the goal, but it's another. It's a bit like York, a bit manufactured, manufactured for me. Um, the worst in the ground are those two, and then Altrincham. I hate Altrincham away, although uh, in the FA Trophy we had a we had a good day out there. Luke, Luke is a man of very very strong opinions, and I can just imagine the comments on this podcast after this. We're going to have the whole of the National League fans coming at us for what we've it's said about those. <laughs> 
I'd really, I'm, I'm really struggling because I've not been to a lot of grounds um, of teams in this league. I mean, I've got ones that I don't like. I don't like Gateshead. Gateshead, you feel like you're miles away from yeah. the fucking action. Yeah, it's because, it's because, because of the, the uh, running track in it. Yeah. yeah, the athletics track around it. But I feel like the not way in is like... Stadium, is it that? Nah, it's, it's the way in, you're like the furthest away from any of the action at all. It's a crap, crap stadium to go to as an away fan. Um, like you said, York it is in the middle, it's the arse end of nowhere. It's not it's not great to go to so far. It reminds me of going back, it reminds me of going to the Reynolds Arena at Darlington when they relocated to their new stadium when they got rid of Feathams and they went out to there to this new lovely twenty-five thousand seater stadium, which you had to walk for about fucking two miles to get to. Lovely stadium in a shithole. Sorry, Darlington. No, I'm not sorry about Darlington at all. <laughs> Halifax is always a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Go to Halifax, away game, and then go for 75 pence drinks at the ACA after. Yeah. Everyone everyone who's watching this podcast, if you've been to Halifax, you'll know about that. It's a town full of pubs. If you take a large following as well, you get a a terrace, which is the largest terrace in English football. There's no other team in the country where you, you get a terrace like that where... You know, it's standing. Also, the Skirkett stand down the side, low roof, good for an atmosphere. And it, it's just got that traditional football feel about it, historic. You know, like I said, we are a, a club that's well known, I think, across the country because of has been previously in the Football League. We're quite an old club that's been in the Football League. And it's, it's an away day that a lot of people remember because of the pubs and also because of, you know, the atmosphere that you can can generate when, when you're in the skirt or in it's the stand great, behind the door. It's a great place to go. And I said, as I said, you can go to the ACA at night. You can go and get on it and for 75 pence a drink. Yeah, it's it class. Doesn't get, doesn't get much better. Do you want to talk about the Halifax game before we wrap up, Look. Yeah, um, like I said, very good, very, very good weekend going down there. I went into it fairly optimistic. Um, we usually do better against the better side in the division, which I class older shot as a very good side who I've got a lot of praise for, especially after that game. Um, you know, I, I went into that fairly confident. Of course, when the whistle blew, I was very nervous. Um, it was a game of few chances. I think Aldershot probably shaded it in the first half. Um, didn't really force us to make any save, any particularly difficult saves from Johnson, but kept more of the ball. Um, Ali had an, an attempt on goal in the first half, which was our uh, only proper chance, I, I would say, um, in that first half. Second half, thought we were a lot better, very good defensively, and we did have our opportunities going forward, but it was a game of few chances for both teams. And realistically, I think Aldershot fans who I spoke to agree, it should have been a nil-nil, and no side deserved to win that game. We could have easily gone on, and if we took our chances, could have gone one-nil up, and it would have been unfair and Aldershot. But of course, the reason that Aldershot are inside the playoffs at the moment and the reason I think they're going to stay inside the playoffs is because in games like that, when you know Halifax give them a difficult game, um, a different kind of game that they're used to, they find ways to win like they did late on. And it was an exact type, same scenario as it was against York where we got caught out, crossing, didn't clear it and it was a scrappy finish for Aldershot. And you think of all that hard work we put into keeping a clean sheet for 90 minutes and then to blow it like that was a very frustrating, but I think I take a few positives from that, but I just think we need to sign a striker going forward because if we had a striker in that game, 
I'd be confident we would have took those chances and probably gone on gone on to win. Um, to be fair, that's that's what I'd say. But all the shot, I'd say best second best side I've seen besides um, Chesterfield so far this season. Like anyone can sum it up as well as as well yeah. as that. So, I've got one final question for you before we go. So, I'm going to stick around the theme of playoffs. Other than your own teams, or our own teams, well, your own team, name one side that's not currently in the playoffs that you think will finish in the playoffs. South End. And I think that's quite that's quite bold because the ten points off it at the minute, and I know I know that's quite bold. But I can only see them getting stronger once their embargo gets lifted and this, you know, they start properly signing players. And like 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 I've said on this podcast for weeks, that starting eleven that Southend have got is a very, very good starting eleven. So if they can add bodies around that, which I'm sure they will do when the embargo gets lifted, I can only see them getting stronger and stronger. So yeah, it's South End United for me. What about yourself, Luke? Um, I, I think South End's a very, very good pick there. Um, I think the minus ten point deduction might come down to at the end of the season. It depends on who they bring in. Um, they're very good at home. Away from home, not as good. That might be a, another downfall, downfall to them come the end of the season, um, unless they bring in a, a few players. And me, I think if they get in the playoffs, I'd be confident that they'd do well inside those in those playoff spots. Um, but it's a case of will they manage to sneak in. Oldham, I know they've just had a heavy defeat and from what I've seen so far, they're good enough for the playoffs. Um, but due to the size of the club and the budget that they've got and the striker that they've got in Norwood, I would like to think that they would finish inside the playoffs. Um, Rochdale as well, I think are a very, very good side from what I've seen. Um, just depends what happens with, with the takeover, etc. if they can, can um, maintain a playoff spot. So go on, one team. What well, you've mentioned, like four teams there are. Yeah, uh, like, God, one one team. I probably have to say Oldham. I'll be shocked. You know, you know, you know that surprises me that because I, I for weeks, for weeks, I thought you'd you, you made it quite clear that you don't like Oldham, which is fair enough. Fair enough, completely. I don't, so. I don't dislike Oldham. To be fair, I dislike Rochdale more. To be honest. Yeah, but I don't know. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I think we, we've got areas that we need to address first if that's going to happen. I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with looking. I think it's going to be Oldham. I think I think there'll be one. You think you'll be one of these teams who will be just outside for quite a bit. Yes. And then you'll put a late push on and you'll get into one of these bottom four positions to get into. We have to play the, the few games to come in. I, I think you'll get in that. And the, yeah, yeah, the eliminator. And then I think, might, I think you'll fall short. And the eliminators, but then yeah. I think you'll go on to have a good season next season. Yeah. Now, just before we do wrap up, Aaron, you've got one thing that you want to talk about about Frank. Yeah, so it's very quickly, and obviously, like I just think it's worth a mention. Um, so our owner Frank Rothwell, it was his last home game on on Saturday because he is. Um, let, me, let me just can somebody just find his age for me? I can't remember how old he is. My own chairman, that's. That's quite poor, but I want I want to say he's in his late seventies, and for the second time, um, he is going to solo row solo row the Atlantic, um, on, on his own 
to raise money for Alzheimer's Society. And the reason why he's doing it is because he held the world record back in 2019, I think, for the oldest person to ever solo row. Um, but then somebody went and beat him. So he's going he's going back later and doing it again so he gets a world record again. And I just wanted to obviously wish him the best of luck because that's not the easiest of challenges for somebody in the 20s to do. Never mind somebody in the 70s. And I think it's such it's such an important cause, but it just shows the type of character that Frank is and, you know, the, the, the how much he does for charity. And, like, obviously we want him to go and smash it, but we want to see him back safe and happy and healthy again in January come when he comes back to Boundary Park. So, yeah, from us, I think it was just a, like a, a good luck message to Frank Rothwell and like everyone's behind him and he's doing amazing work. It's it's phenomenal what he's doing. He's 70, I think he's 70, 71. But yes, he was 70 when he done it in 2002. So I think it's going to make him 71 when I'm doing it now. But last time he raised 1.1 million for Alzheimer's Research UK. So hopefully he goes on to absolutely smash that again this year. He's got all of our support here from Luke Sports Media and National League. Look, yeah, hopefully he comes back safe. It's a cold month to do it in. Best of luck, Frank. We've absolutely got your back. If there's a link, we will share it out on all of our socials and get people to donate coming through. It is a fantastic cause that it is that he's, that he's raising funds for. On that note, everyone, thank you very much once again for listening to the three of us talk absolute nonsense about the National League. I think this has been an absolute cracker. Aaron, Luke, thank you very much once again for coming on. Amazing we'll as see. always. We should, we should all hopefully be back next week to talk some more National League. If you've not already listened to other podcasts, give our Championship League 1 and League 2 podcasts a listen. They are all up on the same platform as you listen to this on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Podcasts, whatever it is you're listening to. Don't forget, while you're there, if you've not already rated us, please rate us five stars. Comment whatever the hell you like. We really don't care what the comment says. Just give us the five-star rating. If you're watching this on YouTube because this is up on YouTube this week. Please hit the subscribe button at the bottom if you've not already, and hit the little bell button beside that, because that will notify you whenever we put a video up live on our YouTube channel, and it will let you know when we're live on Thursdays for the EFL breakdown. That is the next time that I will see you. I think I'm on it on Thursday. Not entirely sure. We will find I'm out. I'm on it as well, if... I think. Fantastic. If not, we will see you back next week. Everyone, we've been with Sports Media. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 